RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, they told us it wasn't their first rodeo, so I've been looking forward to catching up with New Zealand First leader Winston Peters after the election. And he's with us right now on our radio show for Monday morning. Mr. Peters, good morning. Good morning. So not the first rodeo. How's, how's this one shaping up so far? Well, they're all different and they're all difficult. But, uh, you know, we're in our, what, seventh day of talks, uh, going into the eighth day. Um, it'll be a little while. I don't know how long. Hopefully quicker or faster than uh, we would have thought. But uh, these things, they do take time. It's not a mainland cheese ad here, uh, but we've got to get the details right. So there was a sort of a, it took three weeks, I think you highlighted, for, you know, that count to be done. And is that, that was too long, do you think? Well, it was far too long in that context. You see, uh, the reality was that although National was talking to ACT uh, from the 14th of October, uh, everybody was waiting around for the special votes where New Zealand First was concerned. And our belief was that what we saw on election night was what we're going to see at the end or very much the same as what we believed we were looking at. Um, but that's the way it was, and so we just had to be patient until on the 3rd of November the results came in in the afternoon, and then they realised, well, what was foreseeable on the 14th was in fact a fact. Yeah. So um, I know you can't, and we're not going to try and drill down or anything like that, but is everybody talking nicely to each other? Well, you could put it that way because that's the only way we're going to get ahead. If we're uh, going to go in with the uh, the view that we're going to behave like we were behaving before the election, that will get us nowhere. And so we've got to make sure that we have uh, the proper civilities, the proper respect in, in these negotiations and chats and ensure that what we're being um, asked to do, we're doing it in an informed way. We've got to know uh, the, the details. We've got to tool down and know what it means so that when there's an agreement, you've got something to uh, go forward on and covering every possible contingency. And when there are surprises into the future that you could not have known about, well, there's got to be a methodology or a manner or a way or a regime of handling that so that everybody knows, well, that's re what's required. It's not everybody, you know, tossing their um, toys out of the cot, so to speak. You've got to say, well, if this happens and the circumstances that were not foreseeable or predictable, then we're going to approach the problem by consent and consultation and by persuasion. Are you feeling the pressure, the, um, you know, the people, you know, people have put a lot of um, support into you and uh, they are quite passionate. Are you feeling the pressure of your supporters at this time? Well, I wish I had a better pressure from more supporters because I would make my job much more easy. Yeah. And that's what I've said before the election, that people want things, they've got to, have to vote for them. But we've got these cards we've got at the moment and we've got to make sure that they're played right and for the outcomes that we are sought to deliver. We, can't, we won't be able to deliver everything we campaigned on, but our record has is to have delivered more than any other party when it comes to coalition talks and we don't intend to uh, sacrifice that record in this uh, series of negotiations. How how well do you think you'll do, you know, related to some of those, like uh, the therapeutics bill, for example? Well, we are confident about those issues because when you look at it from a rational, sane point of view, 
it made no sense to pass that legislation in the first place. And I had stopped it in 2007 when I was a foreign minister, not even part of my portfolio, but I th thought it was wrong. And we stopped it in between 2017 and 2020. Why the Labour Party went ahead and signed up to that, I don't know. And why other members of parliament didn't understand that their, their job was to protect the rights of New Zealanders to buy the product that they want without being dominated by offshore, sometimes adverse influences. How they missed that is beyond me. So I'm confident of going forward about where we're going to get to on this and as soon as possible. Um, our audience has a lot um, uh, invested in being across international health regulations, very passionate. Again, many of your supporters now. What about um, the WHO controlling the way we would have to do things? Um, the, WHO, the WHO shipped from where they were just a matter of months ago to now taking uh, or thinking they can demand the authority over nations and deleting or diminishing their sovereignty is going to be met with a whole lot of kickback. And the first party to come out and say that the moment we saw what the WHO was shifting to was New Zealand first. We said so in a matter of days. This is unacceptable and we cannot sign up to this. And they need to be told that this is a process where worldwide WHO has got a role to play. But the moment you seek to go from consultation and agreement to direction, dictatorship and some sort of international fiefdom, which we pay into and get no uh, right to make submissions to, well, that in my New Zealand first view, and I'm certain going forward, is not going to happen. So the other parties, they're aware of this? Well, they're aware, they're aware if, of these moves, well, these well, regulations, well, and the time well, frame? If political parties don't understand they live in a democracy and that the features of a democracy are the people's right to know through the representatives and the right to answer through the representatives, then I can't really help them because... It is a fundamental democratic principle of a thing called democracy and sovereignty. And any compromise on that is adverse for the New Zealand people. And we've been a democracy in growing form since 1854. 28,000 people have given their lives for this. And so we've got to stand up for it, make sure that we uh, nevertheless remain in control. Yeah, one of the uh, other obvious things that our audience is very uh, particular about is any sort of COVID inquiry and they would probably like to be reassured at this point that that you can you can get what you envisage across the line that uh, Paul is the plan yeah okay <laughs> This, this isn't our first rodeo, right? No. no. Um, but um, what, what about other parties? Are they are they open to that? Again, this is a matter of logic, as I presented during the campaign, and we've had, we had meetings all around this country and talked about people's right to know the facts. Why? Well, as President Roosevelt said at the time of the Great Depression coming out of it in the US, we may not always get it right, but we'll keep on trying. But what we had then was people saying they were getting it right and they didn't know. That's the point. And I was astonished at so many people in high places who appear to accept that totally unacceptable academic approach to these issues uh, on the basis that somehow I thought to myself, the reason why you're being so absolutist is you're not certain that you're right. 
and that's why you don't want to be questioned, well, I'm afraid, with responsibility and with democracy comes the right for people to hold you accountable. And that's what we're seeking to do. Okay, well, good luck. I want to ask you about the uh, Port Waikato by-election in just a moment. Just curious, though, this story of a week or so, maybe a little more ago, about the lag time in the Prime Minister's office knowing about what happened in Christchurch and the police hearing about it. And I noticed that was one of the more recent comments you make on your Twitter feed, your X feed. Why do you think that happened? Well, I got backward by a whole lot of people who are what I call a collection of ignoramuses. Because what I was saying is, no, you did not know this until just at this time. What we didn't know was that the call had come into the Prime Minister's office and the Prime Minister's office was had two staffers on it. That staffer was talking to the police and how that was handled as part of this current inquiry. And as you can see, the four mosques involved and there were there's one Ashburton, two in Christchurch. They made a mistake about the Dunedin one, but there was also the Islamic Centre in Christchurch. Those four were never told. I'm asking a question. Was this matter handled properly? And I think the people who are the victims and, of course, their family and the survivors uh, have a right to know. And so here we've got the same gaslighting outfit of trying to say, oh, there goes Peter, he's saying, 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 saying. And I'm saying... No, you're not even following the chronology here. At that critical time, when the information came in, what happened? And you've watched the inquiry on night after night and, and seen the way it was handled. I'm not knocking anyone, but I'm just saying is, what I'm saying is, why weren't the mosques called? Why wasn't there a phone call? You've got 68 people in the Prime Minister's office, deputed a number of them to make the critical call then, and let's see what the inquiry says. But at the moment, a lot of the naysayers and the gaslighters are not looking too flash now, are they? Port Waikato by-election. Do you think uh, with how the party has done recently and the surge, that there was a surge, that um, that creates a, a, a far better prospect in Port Waikato for New Zealand First? Well, again, you know, there's uh, the complication of a uh, election and a long wait around uh, for the results three weeks and then uh, the talks. And I think there's sort of uh, what you might call a, uh, a feeling that, well, we've had enough of election for the time being. We'll have to look forward for the next one for three years from now. And that's the environment which Port Waikato is happening. But we've got a top class candidate in Casey Costello, and uh, we are looking to see how well she does because she's got what it takes, and she lives there. And that that adds, doesn't it? I mean, numbers are added. Well, well it all helps, and um, uh, the truth is that, uh, as I say, it's a by-election, and usually the polls and turnout's not great in by-elections, and we just had one. But nevertheless, we had made a commitment to stand a candidate, and we've launched ours, and we did before anybody else did, and uh, we're off and running, and we hope it goes well for us. Okay, it's good to catch up again, Winston. Thank you for coming on our program. Just one last question. How hard can you go in your in your position at the moment? I mean I mean you've got obviously got some leverage there. How far can you kind of push it, do you think? Well, look, we suffered from a campaign where, as you know, the mainstream media 
barely didn't turn up until the campaign is almost over. In fact, two turn up on the 13th of October, the day before the election. So we suffered a campaign where we were shut out largely, even though we were holding bigger pack meetings than any other political party and all over the country. And so uh, despite all that, and despite all the naysayers, on election night, they got a shock of their lives. Here we were standing there with all the cards that matter. And we're going to make sure that we get the response that those critical positioning votes for a party called New Zealand First deserve. We're not inflating what we are or we're not pushing our um, um, weight around, but we did what no one thought we could do. And that's the reason why that we are requiring in this co these coalition talks the proper response to the uniqueness of the New Zealand First vote. Because here we are having ruled out Labour nevertheless. We're not going with them because of their racist platform they've got. But if we were to ha have those options, we are the only party with options. This New Zealand first, on either way. But we rule Labour out and we want the best deal we can from the National Act. How long? A couple of weeks? Oh, look, Something I'm, like that? <laughs> I can give you a forecast because uh, any, the problem with any statement you make yeah, is, is yeah. not in your case, but it's turned against you. I mean, yeah. I've looked picked up the news this morning and I was told that I was up north. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, he's gone up north like he looks, looks, he's there, looks like he's there for the weekend. Now, where like, the, like like Biden always going on holidays. Well, where on earth the journalists got that out of them? I wouldn't know. Vacation. I've been all day yesterday and all day in Auckland and I've had two meetings with the Ag Party in the last two days. We've got work to do. So when <laughs> I see some journalists write that, I think to myself, what a lazy um, effort at uh, trying to inform the public as to what's going on and not going on. Are you holding up okay physically? That's the plan. Yes, it is. <laughs> Still on the diet. It's going very Had well. to ask. Had to ask. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, thanks for coming back on our radio show. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we're following along, obviously. So thanks for that. Thank you very much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.